we have this tendency to kind of like be cheap in the wrong areas and scared to invest in others. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about a host of topics ranging from sales funnels to structuring your messaging, the common marketing mistakes you're probably making. And to help us, we have Evan Knox, founder and CMO of Caffeine Marketing. Evan, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Chad? I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's, this is going to be good. So we always like to start with an icebreaker. I'm curious to know what people are passionate about and specifically what you're passionate about that maybe our audience might be surprised to learn about you. Well, earlier we were talking about motorcycles. I used to ride a little bit of motocross and I really loved that, but I eventually broke two vertebrae. So that's Ooh. not my hobby anymore. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all right. But it, everything has a season, I guess. And I recently have picked up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so I've really enjoyed learning. I've never done a martial art or anything like that. And it's incredible. Like just to learn. There's so much, there's never ending to this. And there's a lot of discipline required. Um, and I really like it. It's fun. Excellent. Is that, is that kind of your fitness routine and the way to get, you know, decompress and de-stress? Well, interestingly enough, I think you can definitely make Brazilian Jiu Jitsu like a fitness routine, but for me, it doesn't feel like a, like a legit enough workout. So I generally will, you know, either workout, workout in the morning, either do like a hit workout, some sort of like modified CrossFit workout with, without many weights. Right. Um, or I'll go to run. So any of that is fun. And then I'll generally go do um, BJJ as it's referred to in the evenings where I can, or in the middle of the day. So, okay. Excellent. All right. So let's kind of jump into the topic and I always like to start kind of contextually. So for our audience kind of help us understand your perspective or view on marketing in general, maybe how it differs from others uh, out there and maybe what you you know see other people tend to miss. So two things come to mind when, you know, you're saying that one for sure is that most people talk about themselves and their marketing. And as a story brand guide, I just love this idea that you're really a guide in the story. You're not the hero. And so ultimately you don't have to talk about how awesome you are, you know, <laughs> what year your company was founded, whatever that often is, you know, it's, it's a big mistake that people make. So anyway, there's that. Uh, and then the other one is that I'm learning there's two different camps. You know, I've been doing this for four, four years or so now on the agency side, and there's the, oh, let's just call it the good people, right? So like the people that are solid and want to really care for their clients. So in the good people space, there's two different branches. There's almost like a creative agency that just makes everything look really good, which is totally valuable. Often I, I want to you know, work with these people when we're rebranding projects. And then the other side is more of a direct marketing. So I, our company really tries to focus on making marketing profitable and getting our clients the highest result that they can. So I like this idea that the marketing should pay for itself and should deliver a great return on investment. So I guess that's a little bit more of what's important to caffeine. I, I love it. And so what's on the other, if we got the good people on one side, what's on the other? <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to bash anybody, but there's, um, I would say there's kind of two approaches. One is that, well, I don't want to sound bad people, but there's, you offer a suite of services. Okay. So 
some people expect an agency to function as, all right, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pick and choose what, I'm not saying this is a bad, but let's go middle and then bad. Right. So the middle of the ground is, hey, we just offer a bunch of services, pick whatever one you want, and then we'll just do that service for you. But there's not a focus on delivering the client a return on investment. There's just, hey, this is, this is an exchange of services. You're going to pay us for doing your social media. And then, you know, you're going to pay us X number of dollars per month, whatever. And it's on the business owner who is not a marketing expert to come up with a strategy. And so they're kind of left guessing and throwing stuff on the wall and hoping that something is actually going to be profitable for them. But in reality, what we try to do is take a holistic approach and build a marketing funnel unique for each one of our customers. And then the bad side is just people that sell snake oil. I mean, it is, <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of sad, honestly. And it, what we would call in the business strategy world, there's a low moat. So it's not hard to like think of a castle and a moat. It's fairly easy to start a digital marketing agency, right? If you can get someone to start paying you to do some sort of marketing activity and you can get more clients, like it's not hard to get into this space, but it's hard to be really good at it and make, you know, your clients a lot of money. And so what we find is that there's a lot of people that essentially have burned a lot of the businesses that we've, you know, eventually become our clients. But before this, they've, you know, paid somebody thousands and thousands of dollars and not seen a single dollar back. And have just been told, oh, look at the clicks that we're getting you or look at the impressions or here's your search engine ranking. But yet that's not actually translating to a return on investment for them. So that makes me sad um, and hurts for those business owners because they're kind of left in this weird spot where it's like, they don't know enough about marketing to decipher who's the good guys who can actually deliver their return on investment. And then who are those people that are out there just taking money from them, you know, eventually just setting up Google analytics and sending them a report every month. Yeah. And, and then of course they burn. So they have a bad taste in their mouth. So then any agency that works with them in the future has a bigger hurdle to, to get over. I've run into that a lot where we're less than, ethical uh individuals or yes. agencies uh i'm trying to pick my words carefully like you <laughs> so um th that they have a tendency to create this seriously negative impression and then it's just you know almost twice as hard to to get the business owners to understand what is possible and that hey this is more of a partnership we want to help you solve these problems we're not just gonna throw invoices over the wall at you Yep. A hundred percent. And there was a time when I was a marketing, um, I was a chief marketing officer at, at an organization. And one of the contracts that I inherited was, was this social media agency here in Atlanta. And I tried to work with them, you know, I, within a, I, for the whole month that I was like first getting onboarded on into the company, I was like trying to work with them, trying to get some alignment, trying to get them to do stuff. And they would just blatantly like do the opposite of what I requested. And I remember oh. just going, what the heck? And these guys were pretty well known, but eventually I was frustrated because they were just adamant about holding to the contract, but yet they were not delivering. And so it was very frustrating. So I never wanted to be that whenever I started caffeine. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So when it comes to building that sales funnel, if we're not talking about ourselves, we're not screaming from the rooftops, how cool we are, which I'm 100% in agreement with. How do you help these companies understand the kind of the connection between marketing and sales and building that sales funnel that it sounds like needs to really mirror the buyer's journey? So I often think that we can make things as complex or simple as we want to. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like you agree at a really, really high level in my own head. This is just the way I picture it. This is not right or wrong. 
is that, well, maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But um, <laughs> there's in market, let's imagine a marketing funnel oversimplified is three parts. And imagine it's a, you know, the kind of funnel that you're going to pour oil into your car with, or imagine an upside down triangle if you don't, if that sounds foreign to you. And so at the top of the funnel is brand awareness. The first problem that we're trying to solve is we need to make people aware that we exist. The second phase is consideration. So now that they know that we exist, we have to remind them what it is the problem that we offer or what the, what's the problem that we solve and how are we going to make their lives better on the other side of working with us? And what's at risk if they don't work with us? So we have to communicate this messaging to them over and over and over. Often it takes people eight times just to fully digest what it is you have to offer. And so that's just the consideration phase. And then lastly, there's the conversion phase. And this is the point in which we really all want people to get to. You know, we want them to buy our product or service. We want them to download the free PDF on our website. And each of these can kind of be switched out for whatever. And what I mean by that is a free guide on your website or somebody subscribing to your YouTube page or someone following you on Instagram, you could consider that a conversion. And it, it's okay. It depends on what your goals are. But at the end of the day, what we really care about is delivering return on investment and making sure that your marketing is profitable. So I really like to think of conversion of sales. I always try to focus on sales in that regard. So if we go back and we go back to sales and how does that integrate? I think of a sales funnel, like a automated sequence as everything that's not advertising. So everything above paid ads, attracting new traffic, that's the existing form in place. So you've got a marketing sales funnel and then you actually have a true sales funnel. So like if you're a salesperson creating those automated emails, those templates, everything that you have like that to help people along that journey with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so part of this, when you go through awareness, consideration, conversion, and into the sales funnel itself, all of that requires different types and structures and approaches to the messaging. It is, I would assume, bringing them through this journey. Do you then use that kind of format, those three areas on the marketing side to help structure the messaging? Or is it, do we go a layer deeper in kind of ways to structure and deliver that messaging? Well, it's interesting. I think from the sales perspective, obviously you're very aware that you're trying to identify what it is, the pain point that they're experiencing. And so if you don't know what that pain point is, often you're not able to get this person to buy our products or services because it's not hitting a, you know, something enough in them in order to move them towards action. And ultimately people are a lot more likely to take action to avoid pain than they are to move towards something good. So I say that as a preface to go, we might have a lot of messaging in our marketing funnel. We might try to hit a couple of different audiences. We might paint a couple of different pictures of success. We might paint a couple of pictures of how we help them avoid failure. But ultimately, when you hop on the phone with somebody or when you're on an email conversation, you're now getting to know what are their actual pain points. And so we might have more macro level in the marketing framework. But now that we're in the sales process, we can really articulate, okay, well, Joe, you said you're having problems growing your company. You feel like you've tried everything. You paid some SEO guy, thousands of dollars every month. And obviously you don't want that to happen again. You want to make this profitable, right? You want your website to make you a lot of money. And so I think we can tweak in the sales process, but it comes in the same framework. We're always thinking, what's the problem that they're experiencing? How can we uniquely solve their product or their, their problem? Um, and then ultimately, what does success and failure look like? And then you can use the story brand framework a little bit more to where you can identify how to put yourself as the guide. So how can you have empathy and authority 
So I love coming alongside clients and being like, Hey, I understand your frustration. When I was a CMO at this organization, here's what I experienced. It was the worst. That's why I started caffeine was to help entrepreneurs like my dad and granddad make marketing profitable and successful. So you can use those little bits um, of that marketing framework in your actual sales process. And it's great because if you make your marketing and sales messaging the same, you're reinforcing the same idea over and over and you're walking people through an exercise and memorization. Ah, nice, nice. And so when you look at some you know companies today, especially given the current lovely environment, what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing them make or opportunities that they're missing? I would say that not tracking their marketing or not having any sort of um, analytics in place is a really big missed opportunity. So I'm also part of a group called Tactos. And what we do is we acquire or partner with small companies that are around a million or 2 million or so. And then we turn around and four or five X them. But one of the things I love doing is that a lot of these companies, even though they're at a couple million dollars a year, they often don't have the right analytics in place to understand how to scale their company. And so we end up putting all the right Google analytics, you know, install Facebook pixel. Let's have a tracking software in there so that we can make sure that we're tracking people all across the marketing and sales funnel. So that's key because if you don't know what's broken, you can't fix it. And then you're going to do a bunch of stuff to try and fix it. And you're going to break some other stuff. So that's unfortunate. (laughs) Uh, That's part of the journey though. It's sometimes, I mean, sometimes you have to break something to figure out how, how best to use it. So when you think about, you know, you just mentioned a whole bunch of the tech, right? So Facebook pixel and, you know, there's a whole bunch of tech out there to do this. Do you, do you find that it's a big leap for those small business owners that are say million, two million year to really wrap their head around all of the data that once that stuff is deployed can actually provide, or are you also helping them make sense of it? Yeah, we're definitely helping them make sense of it. And it can for sure feel overwhelming because that's not why they started their company. Generally, they started their company because they wanted a certain lifestyle or they wanted to be just focused on their craft. Like one of my partners is a fly fishing guide and his dream was to just be out on the water every day guiding people for trips. And so he hates accounting and also, (laughs) you know, any of the analytics stuff, you know, he just wants to guide trips. Like that's just all he wants to do and make money. So yeah, we for sure help them make sense of it. And because what they really need is that they need a partner. They almost, even though they can't afford to hire a a true CMO in-house, we function more so as a fractional CMO that can actually execute the services that they need, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I think it's I think it's great because I'll be 100%. I started my own business because I was tired of making money for other people uh, as a sales yeah. executive. But I also, I'm great at, at selling and, and doing, you know, the marketing and that kind of stuff that we need to do. I am with your fly f- uh, fishing friend. I hate accounting. I outsource <laughs> my, my back end. I, I, I outsource all of it to a fractional CFO company and let them just do it. Like, I don't, I just need to know where we are, cash flow, like margin, yep. like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do any of that. And, but I also don't want to get in trouble with the government. So, <laughs> yes, yes, I feel you. <laughs> so just keep me from getting in trouble and I'm happy to pay. And, and we have, you know, regularly scheduled check ins and all of that stuff. It's one of the things I think a lot of small business owners or just business owners in general, there are just certain things that you're not good at. And you should focus on the things you are good at and not hesitate to bring in the partners or bring in the support in the areas because it's the time you're basically getting looked for ROI on your time. 
And if I'm yep. trying to do accounting, that's a crappy ROI and it's going to take a lot of time. <laughs> so I'm better off focusing on the things that I'm good at in the business and, and finding those trusted connections. And it sounds like that was kind of the spirit of how you set up caffeine, if I'm capturing it right. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's very interesting though. This is how you were, were asking about mistakes uh, a few minutes ago. This blows my mind that this happens, but sometimes people or business owners will self-sabotage in the weirdest ways. And what I mean by that is one of our clients who we brought on uh, maybe four or five months ago, literally is on track to double her company and more. And we're, I mean, hardly spending anything in advertising, maybe $3,000. And most of her, you know, sales service, like her actual services are like $15,000. So she is crushing it. And yet I got an email from her two days ago. And she was like, Hey, I don't know. We're just kind of rethinking this, whatever. And then I was like, I won't say her name, but I basically emailed her back and I was like, let's hop on the phone. Cause literally the last call that we had, you were like, this is unreal. Couldn't have, you know, I'm super grateful and blown away, but it's funny. And I say that not as like a, trying to make her feel bad or whatever, but we have this tendency to kind of like be cheap in the wrong areas and scared to invest in others. And when I yeah. hear you say, Oh, I've like, I've got a CFO. I think that's a great example of how to do it is to go, you know what? I have somebody that I trust. Um, he's doing a good job and this is ultimately going to help me focus on stuff. That's going to drive our bottom line. Yeah. And, and it's, you're right with the self-sabotage. Cause I'll, I'll even use, I can go back even further and say, when, when I started this business, when I started my business three plus years ago and I started this podcast, I was smart enough to know, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I hired Sweetfish yeah. Media, right? And to do, help me get it off the ground. And then like an idiot, three months in, I decided, ah, oh, well, I can figure this out. So I took two months and I was like, I was doing all the audio processing. I was doing all the leveling. I was doing all the graphics. I was writing the blog post. And then it just dawned on me that I'm like, this is freaking stupid. I, this is not generating. We didn't start the podcast to be a revenue generator. It was a, it was a content creation in a way for me to feed my head. Nah, yeah. I'm spending way too much time on this. So then Went, you know, took a two month pause from Sweetfish and now we're <laughs> back. Using now Sweetfish. you're back. And I don't, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I learned my lesson. I apparently sometimes need to slam my face in a brick wall before I realize I need to, you know, get some help. But it's, it's yep. that thinking about our time as the asset that allows us to focus on growing the business and where can we be the most effective? Not everybody can do it all. They're just mm -hmm. things have gotten way too complex and diverse in any of the fields out there for somebody to master it all and be able to, you know, juggle it all. There's just too much to do. There is. And there's almost so much information and stuff changes so quickly. I think some days I'm thinking, man, I mean, I'm very thankful of where, having the marketing skill set and being a master of that and really enjoying that has gotten me. But like all jobs, right? There's a day where I'm like, oh, I could wish I could just go on some jet skis right now or something. <laughs> um, and then I think, then I say that because marketing is always changing. It's always changing. You know, Google can release a new update. Instagram can decide it wants to do something different tomorrow. It's going to change their API and the tracking. Apple says, hey, we're going to enact this new privacy thing. You know, Facebook doesn't have the same access to um, you know, whatever targeting that we had before. So you have to always have a sharp edge in marketing. And if you're not willing to continually grind that edge, I don't think that you should try to master marketing. It's really, it's not exhausting to me because I really enjoy it. But I see so many people that heard something, they, they're all looking for the hot tip, but oh, no yeah. one really wants to master the craft. Yeah, nobody wants to, nobody wants to do the work. 
Right. Yep. And, and, and that's really what it comes down to. And that's where I see a lot of organizations, whether they be small, you know, SMBs or enterprise, you, you run into people who just think, okay, if I just show up, this will happen. Well, you know what? It, no, it doesn't work that way. There's a grind to everything. And in order to stay on top of stuff, you have to invest. Like there's, I, I started my career in marketing. I spent nine years in marketing. I got my advanced degree in marketing. That was 18 years ago. I have no freaking clue what's going on in marketing. Yeah. I, have, I, know, I know enough to be dangerous and enough to ask some intelligent questions, but I, yeah. there's no way I could, I could do that. I chose to focus on the, revenue, uh, on the revenue collection side of it, on the sales side of it, and business development, things like that. Now, that's my wheelhouse. There, I'm good. I know enough on the marketing side to be dangerous. But I also think some of it comes down to security, like self-security. Like, am I yep. secure enough to admit I don't know that? And I think some people struggle because the personality it takes to even start a business—that's pretty big, you know, pretty big jump for a lot of people. You got to have some, you got to have some self-belief or yep. no other options, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know what? That's so funny you say that. I don't know why, but there are some people out there, and if not most people, I, I genuinely think that if you really are disciplined and you know how to grind and you're willing, if you're humble and you're open to feedback, you could probably start a really good business. And those are good indicators that you can do it. But if you are, don't, if you don't like working for people, then you would, I think you're going to have an incredibly hard time in business because most business is just not having one boss. It's like having 300 bosses. It's like right. each customer client is a boss. Yeah. So. Awesome perspective. And, and I, I'll be honest, you know, I work, I've always been a type A workaholic, but since running my own business, I'm working harder than I ever have before. Although I don't yeah. mind it. I don't mind it, right? I, because I'm passionate about what I do. So there's definitely some trade-offs. There's, they call it work for a reason. I haven't hit the lottery mm -hmm. yet. When that happens, we'll have a different conversation. So yeah, it'll be a different podcast. <laughs> it would be a totally different podcast. So um, when you look at next year, right? When we go into we, COVID, kind of changed some things. We're going into the end of the year. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. What are you? What are you seeing or predicting for 2021 in terms of things or elements of marketing that small business owners should be aware of or really keep an eye on? So today I was perusing LinkedIn, and I just have been seeing more and more of a mindset, which I love, which is that for entrepreneurs and small business owners and business leaders, this is a great time. I mean, it's obviously for certain industries, it's very, very hard. Um, and I even, you know, some of our, our companies actually had to shut down because they're shelter in place order. So we, there was no fly fish guiding, you know, like that was a no go for things like 45 days or something like that. But most times of trial, I think present opportunities. And so if less people are spending on Google and Facebook, well then man, that means that your cost per bid is gonna be a lot lower and you have the potential to make a lot greater return on investment. Um, so I think there's little things like that where people are not moving that your competition might be paralyzed where I think you can really move and take action and gain ground in the marketplace. And so I feel overall really excited. Is there one particular app or um, you know software that I'm really excited about? Not really, I think that if we look at true story based, like the story brand marketing, I think that is really incredible. Um, and I think you have to have that now because there's so much marketing noise out there that if you don't have a message that cuts directly to your customer, you're not going to connect and you're going to waste money in your advertising. But other than that, I mean, the direct, the tracking, the direct marketing, all of that, I think will still be true a year from now.
Excellent. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of the interview. First is simply as a CMO and founder, that makes you a prospect for a lot of salespeople out there. And so I'm always curious to know if somebody doesn't have a referral, like a trusted introduction, what works for you to capture your attention and earn, earn the right to some time on your calendar? Well, it has to feel personal, but at the same time, I know that I probably get a handful. Like, for example, on LinkedIn, right? If you're going to mention my company name, that's not personal enough for me. But if you say something to the fact of like, hey, I listen to this podcast and I really love, you know, the Storyman framework, I'd love to connect with you about, you know, X, Y, Z. That gets my attention. Um, and, you know, obviously being busy, my, my calendar is super valuable to me. And even I guard it really well. So if they take the time to be that personal, I think I'll definitely have that call. But then also, I think if they can hit directly on a pain point that I have, because I will actually go on Facebook and watch mainly Facebook and Instagram and just look at ads. And I, I love looking at ads because I'm looking for somebody to solve my problem. And that's probably because I'm just, you know, a marketing guy and I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> but I mean, really, I, I bought everything on my desk I bought because it was an ad for the most part. Um, and so I love when someone is going to solve a problem that I have and I'm willing to pay money for it. So it's just got to be there. You know, if you, if you actually are talking to a pain point that I'm experiencing, then for sure, I'll have a call. Love it. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. One piece of advice you could give to marketing professionals that you believe would help them hit or exceed their targets. Just one, what would it be and why? Okay. So I already said be the guide. So you <laughs> can't do that one. I would say it would be to really think about making the stakes clear in your marketing. So what I mean by that is what's at stake if they don't buy a product or service. And I know I've kind of mentioned that already, but like what's going to be won or lost, what are you going to ultimately gain? Um, I think if we could really paint a picture of an ideal outcome, as well as what's at risk, I think that makes it really compelling for people to actually take action in your advertisements. I love it. All right. So if a listener is interested in talking to you more about these topics or learning more about caffeine, where would you prefer we send them first? Caffeine.marketing. So no.com, just caffeine.marketing. Or if you want to connect with me personally, you know, evanox.com is great too. All right, Evan. I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chad. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Let your kids listen to it so they're not looking at the iPad all day long. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.